your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, puts it in the belly of Wandale around the left side. He's got a first down, 35-30. Wandale, 25-20, 15-10-5. He is in. Touchdown, Nebraska. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you, and welcome to another week of Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a good weekend. Hope you had a good Father's Day. Your father, hope you had a chance to relax, maybe go play golf, whatever you want to do, grill, get some steaks, whatever you wanted to do, and spend some time with your family and friends. Hope everybody had a good time with that. Coming up this later on in the hour, Chris Basnett of the Lincoln Journal Star is going to join us. There was some Husker basketball news. We're going to talk about that here in a couple of minutes. That came down the pike on Friday. One not so good, one font was good. Uh, we'll get all that analyzed from Chris coming up a little bit later on. He covers the Husker basketball team for the Lincoln Journal Star. We've not talked to Chris for a couple of months, so I thought we'd catch up with him. Uh, but we're going to start. Sometimes, Ben, we can get into the week, kind of be a little lighthearted and, and have some fun. But the thing broke on Friday when we were playing our best of game that isn't lighthearted at all. It's a fallout of COVID-19 and University of Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose announcing that several measures intended to mitigate the anticipated significant financial impacts of COVID-19 as the department's going to reduce their overall expenses by 10% uh, during this coming fiscal year, which starts July the 1st. Among those, a reduction in approximately 10% of Nebraska athletics administrative positions across the department. That means people's job. Um, we're hearing the numbers right around 20 people have been let go by the athletic department effective at the end of the month. And um, we like to have fun. Uh, sports is kind of the, the toy department of life, but right now it's certainly being affected by the pandemic that we are uh, dealing with here. There will be no merit raises for anyone in the department during the fiscal year, no increases in all sports budgets for the upcoming year. Sports programs are encouraged to build a more regional non-conference away schedule, thus limiting public exposure and allowing for reduction in travel cost. All administrative units across the department have been asked to reduce their budget by 10%. All staff travel, excluding recruiting, is going to be greatly restricted over the coming year, a reduction in recurring capital expenditures, and the summer program for student-athletes is going to be limited next summer, in the summer of 2021. So this was a step Bill Bill Moose took on Friday. Several departments around the country have already implemented some of these. I think Nebraska was holding out hope that we would be getting better news now uh, on the virus and the possibility of filling up stadiums and arenas come the fall. Um, this one hurts because, you know, Ben, we, you and I both know some people that we ne- do know have been let go. We don't know all the 20 names, but we do know a few that we know and people that we've liked. And, and, and this is this is upsetting and upsetting people's lives that has now hit the Nebraska Athletic Department. Yeah, I mean, you kind of felt like it was inevitable when the virus first started happening. We started feeling some of the repercussions of the impact it had on our economy and our society uh, our company was hit by it. Most companies uh, of substantial size or even, you know, at the local level specifically uh, are affected by this dramatically. And and Nebraska athletics isn't isn't immune to it. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, you look at how things like this eventually trickle down, you know, Nebraska's 
uh, fortunate to be in a position where they make a lot of money, you know, 150, 160 million dollars a year. And and there's a lot of uh, things that go into it. I think when people hear athletic department budget, they think of, uh, as you said, recruiting trips. They think of, um, you know, spending money on uniforms and spending money on travel and spending money on new new facilities. And um, but, you know, as 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 we know, and as, as people are now finding out, it's, it's much more than that. It's, it's people's livelihoods. It's, uh, um, you know, the, the ability to go travel and, and play sports, uh, outside of your, uh, your region, you know, be able to do all those different kinds of things that a good budget, a good, healthy budget, um, is able to provide for you. And unfortunately, just starting first from the personnel side, you know, these are people that have been around the University of Nebraska for a long time, a lot of them. And unfortunately, um, you know, to no fault of their own because of the, the pandemic are are forced to find find work elsewhere where they've called Nebraska home for so long. They've been a such a huge part to the university. Um, you know, Greg, you and I are around all kinds of people, whether it be at the top from Bill Moose to the to the event staffers, to the people that greet us when we walk into the stadium, to, um, I mean, everybody, the trainers. There's so many people that, that make that thing go, that make that engine go. And unfortunately, some of them lost their jobs. And, you know, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to hear because, as, as, as I said, there's to no fault of their own. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, Nebraska was, as you said, holding out hope that they'd be able to put people in stadiums. But, you know, that's that's becoming ever so wobbly, um, the idea that, that football is going to be back and the, the the talk of full stadiums and, and full go and all that has come to a screeching halt. And, and now it's just about trying to survive as a as an athletic department. And, and a lot of these steps are necessary. We, we probably won't understand the full extent to the fallout to these moves until, you know, probably after the first couple of months of whatever season kicks us off. Um, but you know, I think to me, the, the underlying factor here is that I hope people realize that the athletic department budget is more than just, you know, building facilities. It's more than just, you know, plane travel to, to get to go play wherever you want. It's more than just spending money on laptops and spending money on the student experience. It's, it's, it's people's salaries. It's, you know, the, the ability to have these student athletes, you know, stay on campus you know, eat, eat the training table food, you know, all this stuff goes into the budget. And I think it, it became ever so real on Friday when uh, that release came out. And as you and I found out, some of our friends have lost jobs. And, and now that, you know, this is going to be the new norm for Nebraska athletics uh, for a while. So unfortunately that's where we're at. And, you know, the, this, 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 this time has provided uh, some tough challenges for, for all people, and now the athletic department at the University of Nebraska is feeling that as well. Yeah, and, and, and hey, I understand there's probably a lot of people listening to us tonight that have been affected in one way or another, their company downsizing, their company furloughing people, reducing pay for people. It is cross. I mean, this virus isn't taking sides. It's it's affecting everything, and, and now on Friday we got the word that it's certainly going to affect Husker athletics moving forward. So a, a dark time, and, and you know, you, you hope that we start to get some better news. I'm still optimistic that we're going to play in the fall. Uh, I, I don't know that I've ever felt like we were going to play in front of a full stadium. I don't think that's going to be realistic. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we come up with some kind of a, 
a treatment to the virus. We come up with some kind of vaccine at some point in time in the near future that we can put this terrible nightmare behind us. But right now we're in the midst of it. We're in the midst of a real battle here. Then pandemics don't come along very often. Uh, you, you really have to go back over 100 years to find one that has had this big of an impact on the world uh, as COVID-19 has had. So I, I just wanted to start with that. Uh, again, we like to have fun on this show. Uh, we know people tune in for a distraction, but every now and then we got to get serious and talk about things that are that are affecting people. So I uh, wanted to get that off of our plate uh, first thing here tonight. Now, men's basketball, a couple of big things that, that popped since we last talked on Thursday. And uh, this, this came out early Friday morning uh, with Seamus McKnight, the men's basketball SID, putting out a statement from Fred Hoiberg saying that Kobe King has informed us that he will not be attending the University of Nebraska for personal reasons. We respect his decision and wish, wish, wish him the best in his future endeavors. We had mentioned a week or so ago that the basketball team had gotten back to Lincoln on June the 6th, minus three players, Thor and Ivan, who can't get out of Europe, travel restrictions being imposed on them in France and Ireland, and Kobe King was the third one that wasn't here yet. And you kind of go, that, that kind of maybe should have raised our eyebrows more than it did. Kobe King was the transfer from Wisconsin who left the Badger program at semester, uh, was going to probably be eligible from the get-go for Nebraska, a pretty high-caliber Big Ten player who was starting for the Badgers uh, during his career playing for Greg Gard up in, in Wisconsin. Uh, so he's not going to come. I'm not going to sit here and speculate about whatever decisions, personal decisions he's having to deal with. That's his own thing. That's a blow. That was a guy that I was really excited about. In fact, while you were gone, uh, Ben, we had a story from CBS Sports where they listed the top transfers in, in the in the country, and Kobe King was, I think, number seven on the list as a guy that was going to be a big impact transfer for Nebraska. So obviously a blow. Offset some later in the day when Elijah Wood, a six foot six point guard from the state of Maryland, reclassified. He was actually going to be a 2021 high school graduate. He reclassified. He had enough credits to graduate from high school. And he quickly snapped up the scholarship that was vacated by Kobe King. He comes from to uh, Nebraska, should be here within the week uh, to start working out with his Husker team. So it's kind of a good news, bad news thing. Um, the Kobe King one really hit me because that was a guy that I was really excited to have as a part of the Husker program. Yeah, I think we all were. I think when when Nebraska announced that they were going to be able to grab him from Wisconsin, uh, you know, that's a Big Ten type talent that that would have come here and uh, definitely contributed right away. You know, had the NCAA, you know, made the decision that we expected them to make. Um, however, I will say this too. Um, you know that that's great and. You know who know again who knows his situation his circumstance uh he said personal reasons were i don't know what those are i don't even want to speculate what those are but um i would i would rather it be this way than have him come to lincoln with those issues try and fight through it uh whatever it is be be really unhappy and then um you know all of a sudden decide to just pull the plug a few months from now or even you know a week or two before or after the season had started um you know, just if he's one foot in, one foot out, let's just let's cut the cord now and, and try and fill that spot. Obviously, they did. Uh, they, they, there was a guy, there was a guy that was on the hook with this staff, uh, apparently, and Mr. Wood that, you know, <laughs> they, they knew that they could get on, on speed dial and come here and fill out a roster. Um, and, and thankfully, they were able to do that. I never want to say that it, that it's a blessing that Kobe King came here. I'm not going to be that guy that said, 
um, you'll get him out. You know, I, that's not going to be my stance. But my point is, had this happened two months from now or three months from now, that's pretty much a wasted spot. And then the coaches are in a tough decision. Do we fill the roster with anybody and be bound to that scholarship or do we leave it open? And are we short, are we shorthanded again? Um, at least this gave the staff enough time to contemplate what to do with his scholarship and, and go offer somebody and, and bring in somebody that, you know, they could have really used and, and just keep the train moving. So on one hand, yes, it's, it's a huge bummer that Kobe King uh, isn't coming here. He would have helped this team win. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he's without, without question, Greg, you, you're talking about a transfer from Wisconsin who's tasted uh, major college basketball already to a young man who should be a senior in high school. There's really no comparison in the development level right now. If they were both to be here, who's going to be in a better position to help your team win? The answer is Kobe King, eight days out of seven. But at the same time, you don't want somebody here that's one foot in, one foot out already and kind of undecided on if this was going to be the best situation for him or not. So, yes, you ideally, you you know, he was able to work through those things and he ends up in Lincoln, but you, you would almost rather have this situation where he pulls the plug before he even gets to campus and you're able to fill that spot with somebody that is all in and you can help develop and you can start that college process and you don't have to worry about every night when your head hits the pillow, is he going to be on the team tomorrow? I think that's going to be a, a little bit of a relief for the coaching staff and you know whatever it is that, that Kobe Keem's looking for, you hope he can find it. We're delighted to be joined now on the program by Chris Bazzett of the Lincoln Journal Star. Hey, buddy. How you doing? How's your golf game? It's good. It's not good enough to play in the state match play this week here in Lincoln, but, you know, it could be worse. I, I got out and played a little bit this weekend, so can't complain too much. Where are they holding that? It's out at uh, Hillcrest Country Club here uh, out on East O Street. Very good. Well, it gives you something. Are you are you covering that? I'm, I'm taking it? Yeah, I'll be out there uh, tomorrow, and then I'll be out there, I'm sure, for the championship match later on this week. It's a loaded field, all the big names are in Nebraska golf rent, so it should be a pretty fun time. How much have you enjoyed having the PGA back, at least to give us something to watch on weekends? Oh man, it's been uh, it's been good. I, I I will watch just about anything sports related, and obviously I'll watch golf. So when that's the only thing on TV, you can you can bet I'm pretty well glued to the glued to the screen for a couple hours every time it's on. That league has really benefited. I know their ratings are through the roof, and the fields for the first two weeks have been unbelievable. Minus Tiger, you've had pretty much every big name in the sport playing in those two, so that's been a lot of fun. But you and I could talk golf all the time, but we're, people want to hear you talk about some Husker basketball. As they've a lot of news, a lot of headlines over the last week with that. How surprised were you on the Kobe King announcement on Friday? I was I was surprised, and yet I wasn't. You know, we're talking about a guy that committed uh, very early uh, to this program without really, well, without setting foot on campus for a recruiting visit. He he visited here when he was playing for Wisconsin, of course, uh, during Big Ten play. But, you know, a guy that, that committed basically sight unseen, you know, and has obviously spent the last few months at home like the rest of us, uh, probably had a lot of things on his mind. You know, you, there's always that, that thought when it's personal reasons, you hope that everything in his personal life is okay and he's able to kind of get his hands around that and, and make sure everything's, uh, you know, going the right direction and under control. But, yeah, there's there's some surprise there. But at the same time, I think you might see some maybe some more of this than usual this year with so many kids 
and so many transfers even that have had to, you know, commit without taking a visit and without, you know, meeting a coaching staff in person, even though they're able to do zoom calls. So yeah, I was, I was a little surprised, but, but at the end of the day, I think there was a little bit of part of me that, that wasn't too surprised something like this would happen either. Well, I think maybe Nebraska maybe knew something because it didn't take six hours, and all of a sudden, here's Elijah Wood committing to this thing, right? I mean, that almost had to be hand-in-hand. Yeah, you you have to wonder that, and part of that too is is Matt Abdel Massey, the assistant coach, who's who's kind of the recruit. Well, he is the recruiting guru for this program, and and his connections all over the country, you know, with whether it be transfers, high school kids, different programs, prep schools throughout the country. In the in the case of Elijah Wood, coming from Hargrave Military Academy, this was a guy Nebraska was was interested in. Clearly, uh, they had offered him a scholarship already. Um, kind of an interesting story, you know. Started out as a 2020 recruit, uh, committed to Rhode Island, then decommitted, and and was going to reclassify to 2021. And, and then this opportunity kind of you know presented itself, I guess, so to speak. And and all of a sudden he's he's a Nebraska Cornhusker. So yeah, he, it seemed to it seemed to work pretty smoothly for Nebraska. So you wonder if something was maybe in the works, or they or like you said, Nebraska's coaching staff knew something was up, maybe behind the scenes. What about that spot? I mean, he I, they list him as a point guard. How- I mean, they got they got a handful of those on this team, don't they? <laughs> yeah, he he <laughs> seems like kind of a the latest in a in a line of guys that can do a little bit of everything, right? You you talk about the point guard position and and the probable starting point guard next year is going to be Delano Band, and he's six foot eight, you know. And yeah. but he's also Delano's also a guy that can play a lot of different positions. I, I think Elijah's going to be the same way. Obviously, he, they list him as a point guard. But that doesn't mean he can't play a lot of positions. It's kind of like Wondell Robinson for football. You know, they they may list him as a wide receiver, but he's going to play running back. He's going to line up in the slot. He's going to do a lot of different things for you. Kind of similar for basketball, I think, with a lot of these guys: Elijah Wood, Delano Banton, Shamil Stevenson. You know, you can go on down the list through through a bunch of different guys. Guys that can defend multiple positions. Guys that can play multiple positions on offense. You know, at, at I think when it comes down to it, this staff wants guys that, that are skilled basketball players that can handle the ball, that can pass the ball, that can shoot the ball. And, and then you kind of plug them in wherever you may need them. You know, I think that's what you're going to see these rosters kind of look like going forward as, as Coach Hoiberg and the staff kind of get more and more of their players into this thing and, and get, them, get them ingrained in the system. It's just guys, they may be listed at a certain position. They may be listed as a point guard, but that doesn't mean they can't play the two or the three or, you know, maybe guard the four on defense or whatever it may be. So, yeah, it's he, he's probably going to be a point guard listed that way, but that doesn't mean that's the spot he's always going to play all the time either. Busy again with Chris Bazin of the Lincoln Journal-Star covers Husker basketball for the Journal-Star. Nebraska making some – making some moves late last week with the subtraction of a player, but quickly filling that scholarship with Elijah Wood. You probably get this question because I do quite a bit when I'm out talking to the folks is, man, a whole new turnover of this team. I don't know that I look at it that way. With Ivan and Thor back and the three that sat out, and you mentioned Banton earlier, they really were a part of the program a year ago. To me, there's been an upgrade in talent. Do you, do you see it that way that they've upgraded the talent with the incoming guys? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's an upgrade, you know, all the way across the board. Whether it's talent, depth, length, size, physicality, you know, you can you can just tick off all those things that Fred Hoiberg has talked about over and over. You know, rebounding ability, all those things I think have gotten better. Now, does that mean it translates to Big Ten play? Well, that that remains to be seen. You're obviously talking about the the toughest college basketball league in the country, and 
as we've seen, if it gets going bad in the Big Ten, it can go downhill in a hurry no matter how good you are. So, But, yeah, I think on paper this roster, the talent is a lot better and the depth is a lot better. I think you saw – even with Thor last year, as good as a, a good of a year as he had, he got tired at the end of the year. His shooting percentages went down. You know, he was just playing so, having to play so many minutes. And that's that's you know, as a basketball player, obviously you want that. You want to be able to play as much as possible. But boy, it, it really takes a toll on you physically, mentally, emotionally. And when you lose a bunch of games, that doesn't help either. So, yeah, you you mentioned the the, the two returners, Thor and Ivan, plus those three guys that sat out. Those are three guys that are going to play a lot of minutes for Nebraska this year. So, yeah, there's a lot of new faces but at the same time you're going to have five pretty key guys that have been around this program for at least one year and in the case of Thor now he's going to be a senior and and Ivan being a sophomore so there's there's guys that are plenty familiar with what Fred Hoiberg wants to do and those guys I think are going to be looked at to kind of kind of bring this this group along as they start getting together. Chris it was a week ago today that the the non-conference schedule was released what'd you make of it uh, as you broke that uh, those those group of games that are non-league games for this team? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, uh, there's a lot of matchups that are really intriguing. Of course, the first one that comes to mind is the Kansas State game down at down at the Sprint Center. I think that's one everybody's looking forward to. But, you know, you, you start looking at the home games. And I had a few people tweet at me or, or ask me about, well, you know, the home schedule, it, it isn't real tough. You know, outside of Creighton, you know, raising on paper isn't real tough outside of Creighton and then maybe one or two others. Well, you got to remember, you're playing 20 Big Ten games too. You're going to – the chance to, you know – build up your net is going to be there plenty uh, in big 10 play. And we're also talking about a team as we just talked about, you're going to be, you're going to be ingraining a lot of new faces onto the floor that, that didn't play last year. And you need that non-conference to, to build continuity, to build uh, consistency, especially in a year like this, when who knows when they're going to be able to practice together consistently, who knows what the schedule will ultimately look like a few months from now, you know, with all these guys being, being apart, not being able to, to even see each other face to face until a couple of weeks ago, you need time and you need, you don't need a meat grinder in the non-conference, especially at home. You know, you need, you need games that, that are winnable games, games that give you a chance to kind of feel good about yourself at home and then give you, you know, some more confidence going into those road games and those neutral site games. And I, I say neutral site games, look at the Myrtle beach tournament and some of the quality teams that are in that Dayton, you know, pit, you know, there's all kinds of uh, Mizzou will be in that, you know, there's all kinds of quality in that too. So I think some folks maybe look at the home schedule and go, ah, that's, that's, that's maybe not great. But you start looking at the games Nebraska is going to play away from Lincoln. And I think there's a good mix there of, of winnable games and games that are really going to challenge this team before conference play starts. It's also a program coming off seven wins too. I mean, you have to kind of factor yes. that in when you're trying to put that together again, visiting with Chris Bassett of the Lincoln journal star. We also cross paths with Chris out at Haymarket park, maybe the most active coaching staff on Nebraska has been Will Bolton, those guys. It's been busy the last couple of days. Luke Sartori, kid from Lincoln Southwest, is going to come play for, for Will Bolt. C.J. Hood, younger brother of Byron Hood, announced today that he's committed to Nebraska. Ben McLaughlin has just posted that Max Anderson, the state's Gatorade Player of the Year, is flipping from A&M to Nebraska. How about Will Bolton, this staff? Those guys are not, they're not messing around, doesn't appear. <laughs> yeah, we talked about the basketball team recruiting, and man, the, the baseball team's really laid, leading the way, like you said. And you know, a lot of that I think goes back to the day Wilbolt had his opening, his his hiring press conference, and when all his assistants spoke for the first time shortly after that, and they talked about Lance Orbell, who's the recruiting coordinator for Nebraska, talked about they want to build a fence around the state, and 
Boy, if we haven't seen that uh, this summer, especially these last few weeks, you know, it's, I think you're just seeing guys that maybe see an opportunity and, and a chance to play for the hometown school where maybe there wasn't one before. So it's, we, we know Nebraska has long been able to produce high quality baseball talent out of high school. And I think what you're seeing out of this staff is kind of a renewed focus on guys like that and, and a, a renewed effort to, to keep as many of those guys in the state and get them to Lincoln as you can. So, yeah, Nebraska baseball has been as active as anybody, and they've been as successful as anybody. You know, it's one thing to be active recruiting. It's another thing to be successful. I think the hit rate for Nebraska, especially these last few weeks, is, has really been through the roof, especially with guys uh, inside the state's borders. Chris, those baseball people have had a lot of late downtime since the season got banged on them. And one of the things that they're talking about is moving the season back a month. I, I think that would really be beneficial to a program like Nebraska, don't you? Yeah, I really like that. I really like that proposal. And, you know, similar things have been talked about in the past. But this one really seems to maybe have a little more momentum for 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 getting passed, for, for getting put into place. It just, it makes so much sense, especially from an, from an economic standpoint, certainly for a, for a quote unquote Northern school like Nebraska and obviously all the schools in the big 10, it makes a lot of sense. You, you and I have both sat out at Haymarket park in, in early March and, and sat through some of those games and they're not a lot of fun to sit at. And, and we, I mean, that's just the way it is, you know, with the weather in Nebraska. And now if you push everything back, back a month, attendance gets a little better you get to the back end of the schedule when high schools are, are out for the summer and you see attendance i think is going to get a little better so yeah I, in my mind it makes a lot of sense i, I think it'll benefit everybody uh, even you know sec schools pac-12 schools acc schools but certainly a school like nebraska is going to benefit as much as every as much as anybody from a lot of different angles not the least of which will be the number of fans that they're able to get into haymarket park early in the season and late in the season yeah, I think you'd have some huge crowds with some home series in June. Chris, we appreciate it as always. Uh, have fun covering some golf this week, and hopefully we're back at some press conferences here soon. Yeah, I hope to see you soon over at Memorial Stadium, Greg. Thanks for having me. You talked about a lot of things happening with the Iowa Hawkeye program and guy with his pulse finger on the pulse of all of that is Scott Docterman of The Athletic joining us now. Scott, how you doing? How you, you surviving all this craziness of COVID-19? Yeah, we're doing okay with that. Uh, I, don't, I think we're gonna, we've got some uh, a few more infections at Iowa than probably there were a few weeks ago. But other than that, I think we're doing okay over here. How about you? You know, it's just kind of like Groundhog Day, really, kind of the same thing day after day, kind of hoping for some positive news. And I know all of us really just desperately want to have college football back in the fall. And um, what caught my attention earlier today was was – Gary Barta, the athletic director at Iowa, saying they were stopping ticket sales. What What is that all about? Was that surprising? Was that not surprising? How did How did that news get received in Iowa? Uh, I think people were expecting it a little bit. Uh, a few weeks ago, Iowa made that decision to just keep pressing forward with season ticket sales, whereas Iowa State cut it off at 30000 uh, Iowa State was believing that there would be um, it would be half capacity, 50% capacity, where Iowa was still trying to push to think that maybe it would be full. But I think right now it's the realization that we're looking at, at best 50% capacity for the football season, if not lower. So I think rather than continue to sell, sell some of their three-game pa- uh, three packs or single-ticket sales, I think they decided it just makes sense to go ahead and stop at the season ticket sales mark, which is, oh, about 60% of the stadium, then they can kind of curtail it from there. 
Scott, uh, update me on the team. When, when did they get back? Are they releasing testing results? They're not doing that here at Nebraska. What about at Iowa? Yeah, they're very transparent here. They arrived on campus two weeks ago. The players did. The first week they only had one positive test, which was uh, pretty good, I think, all things considered. But as of today, there are nine. And uh, so – and that's including several other athletes. Basketball players came back last week, but I've heard that it's pretty much all football at this point. So uh, they, they conduct tests every week. They, they announce kind of what the results are. So uh, that, that's positive, but still there's, you know, getting that many positive tests coming back is, uh, is also a challenge to see where this goes because a lot of people are going to have to be in quarantine because of it. Scott Dockerman's with us. He writes for The Athletic, covering the Iowa Hawkeyes. You have had a lot to talk about in Iowa City over the last couple of weeks, and some of this started with Chris Doyle, the longtime strength and conditioning coach who was accused by a lot of former players and a lot of NFL guys for the Hawkeyes of making racially insensitive remarks. He has now been shown the door. Kirk Ferentz has had to kind of navigate a real strong storm. Where does all that stand right now in your eyes? Well, right now, I think that was the right thing to do. I mean, and kind of take an inventory of not only the players lobbing, you know, accusations. As you mentioned, there were different types of players. There were those who left and were disgruntled. There were those that, uh, that you know, weren't necessarily stars that made those accusations. There were NFL players who have high profile here. So they came from all directions, but the majority of them, the ones that probably left in good standing or, or are now NFL players, all believe that Kirk Ferentz is part of the solution, not the problem. And then in checking with some of the parents uh, in the, of the current players, they kind of feel the same way. So Kirk Ferentz is, uh, by allowing these players to have a voice, they had a very explosive team meeting uh, two weeks ago. It was uh, – um, uncharacteristic is from is pretty much what I've been told that the way that every it, people came out and uh, you know there was yelling there was potentially fighting there was crying there was just all kinds of different events that went on in that meeting but they all seemed to be together a little bit more than they had been before because you know Doyle had been with Ferentz for 22 years and was arguably the best strength and conditioning coach in the country but he was also fairly divisive because he kind of used bullying type techniques. And I know Kirk Ferentz knew of some of them. I don't think he knew necessarily of the racially charged ones. But uh, even so, without having him there, a lot of the players think that it's been kind of a, a you know, a lift off their shoulders, if you will. So right now, but, but it all remains to be seen how this turns out in the next uh, couple of months to, you know, football season. Because you can say all the right things now, but when it really gets to be a big deal, uh, we'll see how they all come together. Scott, uh, Kirk's son, Brian, is the offensive coordinator. His name popped up, too, in some of the allegations. What's his status as that kind of moved on by? Uh, His status right now uh, remains intact as the offensive coordinator, but Iowa hired an outside uh, law firm to investigate the football team and the racial uh, charges that were lobbed against the the coaching staff, Chris Doyle, Brian Ferentz, Seth Wallace, and some of the others. So when they come back with their full report, if there are significant charges leveled against uh, Brian Ferentz, I think his his, uh, chances to stay with the team could be squelched, which would be really interesting considering Kirk Ferentz is the head coach. So uh, right now he's, all things, everybody else is status quo, but I think going into the future, it all depends on what comes back with that report. 
Again, we're visiting with Scott Docterman from The Athletic. He covers the Iowa Hawkeyes here on Sports Nightly. Scott, it's it's certainly been um, an interesting time. I, I think, you know, the, 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 the tragic murder up in Minneapolis set off a firestorm that's gotten the conversation started across the country. I know there's been a social media policy in effect for the Hawkeye program. What, what exactly has it been, and is that changing as they're moving forward? <laughs> yeah, it changed significantly. In fact, uh, uh, there was a Twitter ban until a couple of weeks ago uh, that Iowa had, and it was kind of archaic, but uh, they, they, they were able to use Instagram and Facebook and some of the other platforms, but they were not allowed to, to post on Twitter. Uh, so up until a few weeks ago, that was the case. And then uh, originally the plan was, okay, you could have one tweet approved by the administration and the football program to go out. Well, that that didn't work. And so um, as of that day of that meeting, which was two Mondays ago or two weeks ago, uh, the, then they were freed up to, do, to use Twitter. So uh, it's kind of liberating for those players. It's something that other players haven't had. And, you know, a lot of it came from different situations that they've observed over the years. I recall one in particular that they identified, I think had to deal with Kenny Bell at Nebraska, I want to say. Uh, maybe it was his dog that died after a game, and, and, a, and a fan really came back at him in a really nasty way. And, and they're like, you know, we don't really want our players subjected to this and without any and there's no filter attached to Twitter as there are even some of the other platforms. So I think uh, that was part of the reason for it, but I think they realized that, you know, that's just not, not, not the way it is, it's supposed to be, especially in 2020. Yeah, it's, it's- – it's the worst kind of fans of the fan, in my eyes, of the fans that go after these student athletes. It's just reprehensible for me. I don't know how some adult could think that that's appropriate to do. Well, you didn't have a spring practice. Update me on the quarterback situation. Is that settled? Is that going to be played out when we get into late July and August? What do you think of the quarterback spot? Right now it's pretty much settled, and that's Spencer Petrus. He was the backup last year. He'll be a sophomore this year. Uh, he played at the same high school. In fact, he was recruited by Nebraska and Mike Riley and liked Nebraska. But uh, as soon as uh, Mike Riley's status became really up in the air, I think uh, that's when he started looking around. He was uh, originally committed to Oregon State, but he's got an incredible arm. He's from Northern California, went to the same high school as Jared Goff, and uh, could really sling it. And considering he has a pretty healthy assortment of wide receivers at Iowa that we haven't seen in many, many, many years. Uh, you know, he'll be able to, to get it up and down the field. Now, will he be able to make the right plays in the right situation and the check downs and not rely on his arm strength? You know, that remains to be seen. But I think there's a lot of faith in him, and this is going to be one of the easier transitions uh, quarterback-wise that I've seen at Iowa. There's really no competition to speak of. Although if, uh, you know, freshman Alex Padilla or incoming freshman Deuce Hogan, uh, you know, make it interesting, that would be certainly something for, good for me to write about. But I, right now I anticipate <laughs> it's going to be Spencer Petras. Did he get any snaps at all last year? Yeah, he played in, I think, four games. He scored a rushing touchdown. But Nate Stanley really carried the day. And, yeah. in fact, uh, late, late in the Nebraska game, Stanley was hurt. And uh, there was some question as to whether or not he'd be able to finish the game. And, and Petrus was ready to go in. Uh, and Brian Ferentz said afterwards, hey, if he would have gone in, we wouldn't have held anything back. So they really think highly of him. Well, Scott, we appreciate the update. You've had a lot going on. I mean, we've all had different angles to cover during this shutdown over the last three months, but I don't know that anybody's been as busy as you guys have over there. We appreciate you coming on and, and updating on us on all this. 
Take care of yourself. Stay healthy. Let's hope we have some college football going here in a couple months. You bet, Greg. That's my goal. I hope we can talk college football here in a couple of months. Before we get into our weekend winners, I do want to update you on Major League Baseball. We told you that the Players Association voted down 33-5, to the latest proposal from the owners. Uh, the commissioner, who can overrule all this and say we're going to play and lay out the parameters, he's on a call tonight with the owners. Apparently, the owners are asking the Players Association if they can report to camp by July 1st and then sign off on health and safety protocols. They've asked the, re- the union to respond by 5 o'clock Eastern time tomorrow. Uh, in other words, Major League Baseball is planning on trying to put together a 60-game schedule that would start the weekend of July 24th is when that would start with a short spring training beginning July the 1st. Uh, so sounds like we're going to have some baseball. I don't know how excited I am for that, but uh, that's what the commissioner looks like. He's going to go forward with that. Uh, moving forward, so July 24th, which is the same day that college football can start spending 20 hours a week with their student-athletes. It's the same time frame for that as well. All right, let's get into this weekend winners. Ben, what you got? Yeah, um, boy, it's it's pretty hard not to uh, to give some kudos to the Nebraska baseball staff. I think the work that they've done this weekend to, uh, to pull a couple of recruits, uh, you know, a tra- junior college transfer from right there in Lincoln to get – Byron Hood, his little brother, a legacy, C.J. Hood to commit today. And, of course, Max Anderson, the big news today. Uh, obviously, um, the news just coming out today, but all the work being done this last weekend um, from what we're understanding to get to get those young men to commit to Nebraska. So um, definitely my winners of the week. And and, and I guess the, the kind of caveat to that is the, just the state of Nebraska to be able to, to see all these young high school talent uh, players, these talented players, be able to stay here in the state and and play for the Cornhuskers it might make it, um, little, you know, more incentive to come down to Hawksfield and watch them play. Huge news that came out while we were on the air tonight. Max Anderson, the Gatorade Player of the Year from Millard West, had signed with A and M in November. Obviously, some quotes up by Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald in his story that uh, because of the shortened MLB draft of only five rounds, A and M's roster was overloaded. And Max Anderson asked to be released from his scholarship obligation. A&M uh, obliged, and so he quickly became a Cornhusker. So huge news that came out a couple of hours ago. All right, Austin, how about your winner of the weekend? Well, we just got off of Father's Day weekend, and my winner has to do with fatherhood. So Trevor Ariza plays for the Portland Trailblazers, and he's been involved in a pretty lengthy custody case. He has a 12-year-old son. And the the mother of Trevor Ariza's son decided to grant him a a court-ordered one-month visitation period. But it wasn't, you know, a month ago, and it's not after the NBA season gets over. It's right when NBA is picking up. But Trevor Ariza has decided to not compete with the Blazers. They're about three and a half games out of a playoff spot. He's not going to be around to help the team. He's going to take that one month. He's going to... Uh, go be with his son over this month, the one month that the, the court's going to let him be around him. And I just think that that's really cool. Not that he needs the money. He's losing between a million and two million in salary. He's been around a long time. So money isn't the issue. It's just cool to see a guy put, put the family first like that, even in the midst of a big playoff race like this. Don't you, don't you think – I don't know that he's going to be alone. I think some other guys may follow that lead and just go, you know, particularly if you're a team that's 
maybe not even going to make the playoffs. You may just go, yeah, I think I'm just going to skip this thing out. Oh, I mean, am I crazy, guys? Do you think that could happen? There's already been one. Davis Bertans is shooting about 40% from three for the Wizards. He's had two torn ACLs and enters free agency after this season. So he's already informed the team that he, he plans to sit out because he wants to test the waters in free agency, thinks he's made himself some money. So Ariza and Bertans are the first two, but I'm with you. I think there will be some more dominoes falling that way. Yeah, it could be. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. My winner is gonna take a what was a horrific situation in NASCAR and turned it into a good thing today. Uh, Bubba Wallace, who is an African American driver on the NASCAR circuit, uh, back in his pit area yesterday, he found a noose that was left in that pit area today. Their race got banged yesterday because of rain down in Talladega, so they raced today. And before the race started, his car was escorted to the front of the line to come out of the pole position by the other NASCAR drivers. Richard Petty, who hasn't been in a race for years, the king, showed up to show his support for Bubba Wallace. I think that that's that's taken a really bad situation, Ben, and making something positive come out of it. NASCAR certainly wrestling with all this. They're now banning Confederate flags to be displayed in the areas that NASCAR controls. Well, and what it's done is it, it's sent a hell of a lot louder message to the person that did that, that, that coward, soulless person to, to do that, that that action was trumped tenfold by the action, the reaction of NASCAR and the NASCAR family. So what he thought was, or they or who, whoever thought it was a, a, a fun way to, to, to throw a jab and, um, you know, to, to preach their views on, on Bubba Wallace really came back to bite them today to see all the the solidarity um that uh that that was put together by nascar not something i'm typically interested in but i have a new favorite driver and someone to pull for now and that was really cool to see today ryan blaney driving the ford car number 12 car was the winner today at talladega they did allow about 5,000 fans through the doors to watch that race first time nascar has allowed fans to come uh, into the tracks to watch some racing. So that's my weekend winner here today. Coming up tomorrow night on the program, we're going to get the Blitz back. We took a week off from the Blitz last Tuesday to have the Scott Frost press conference clip. So we'll check in at Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan tomorrow night. We'll also have Top 10 Tuesday. We're mulling over the greatest father-son duos in sports. We'll have some fun with that one tomorrow night.